This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Is that when you do what you do while I'm gone? You get your friends on to talk smack to them, Joe? I mean, That's how you treat one of your best friends in the world? You set that up a, as, as if you guys are BFFs. It was a two hour brunch, and that was the only time he got up to go to the restroom. <laughs> and it was right as that check was scheduled to come. I, I was more impressed than anything else. It is a he, pro he, pros move. It it's, really a, is. it's a veteran move. He also had a buddy he invited to this brunch. That he didn't tell me about. That dude wasn't about to reach for his wallet. The whole thing was a setup of spectacular proportions. Well, then you set him up by bringing him on your national radio show and revealing to all of America that Damon Bruce is cheap, which is essentially (laughs) what you just did. So that's what happens around here when I'm gone. Joe and Amber, it is Joe Fortenbaugh and Amber Wilson tonight. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. This may be... I think it will be the final Joe and Amber ever with actual Joe and Amber. How do you feel about that? To be clear, Joe Fortinball is working all week. So if it's not going to feature any Joe and Amber, it's not going to be the Joe portion of the equation that's causing the trouble. I think all week's overstating it because I believe you're off on Friday, Mr. Fortinball. Well, it's a holiday weekend. (laughs) Okay. I, I didn't realize you, what, not you're, the holiday. you're taking the old seven-day weekend, the very elusive and rare seven-day weekend for Amber Wilson. I am not. <laughs> I was supposed to be here tomorrow, and Dahlia is really changing my plans. So we are not sure whether I will have power tomorrow in order to be able to fire up this show. So ESPN has decided that maybe they should bring in a pinch hitter just in case. So that's why. Otherwise, so this is a hurricane. Night, yes, this is, this a, is hurricane a hurricane for those who unfamiliar with the Black Dahlia. Uh, yes, Hurricane Idalia. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Oh, uh, headed okay. exactly my way. If you are right now on the Gulf Coast of Florida, it is headed your way. Obviously, the Weather Channel will scare you and, and have this hurricane hitting everywhere and everyone. But this one actually is, you know, it's it's quite scary. It's something that everybody should certainly take seriously if you are on this coast of Florida. So I am here. So I am right now under, I believe it's still technically in a voluntary evacuation. That's before they make it mandatory, which is before the sheriffs come and knock on the doors and the cops are all over the key that I live on and then they make you get off. If so the sheriffs knock on the door tomorrow. and you're just hiding... What happens then? I don't know. I think, I don't really know how, I, I, I can't say, listen, I've never tested the theory. Whenever they do mandatory evacuation and there's cops everywhere and they tell us to get out, like when they get to that point and they make it very clear over and over again, we will not issue any emergency services to you. Like if you were on this island, you are on your own. There is nothing we're going to do to help you during this hurricane or after this hurricane, because we may not be able to get to you for days. I'm at you at that point. You know, like, what's No, the that's point exactly how it should be. They alert you to the problem, and then it's on you to follow the instructions. If you right. don't, you, whatever's coming to you, then that's, you have no one else to blame. They, right. We can't use the resources to go door to door making sure everyone's following the rules. Right. And so that's, that's normally how it goes. I mean, sometimes on these islands, they'll pull up the drawbridges. Like, you will not at a certain point get on or off the island. They will even do that kind of thing at a certain point to try to get people to take the evacuations very seriously. I have always heeded the evacuation because it ain't worth it. Because at that point, when it's coming that directly at you in Florida, what you do know if you've grown up in Florida and you 
you've been a Floridian your entire life like me, is that hurricanes don't terrify you to the same degree that they probably terrify people in other parts of the nation, but they are annoying either way. So even if it's not like the <laughs> fear, because I've lived through so many of them, they're annoying, Joe, because you lose power and you lose water for days on end. When I lived in Fort Lauderdale, I didn't have power for eight days once after a hurricane. You know how stupid that is? <laughs> Just still be at your house in August in Florida when it's 100 degrees and 100% humidity without any power for eight days. It was not a fun experience. So that's also why you get the heck out if you can. On, on one end, I could say something like, but you did have your life. Which I is, did. yeah, well, you're still the, alive. I had actually evacuated that hurricane, but then I ended up having to go back because my job still had power. So I still had to go to work every day at the time. It was before I was here at ESPN, but I did not have power. Somehow I was like the last person in the city to get power back during that hurricane. So I was just, you know, in this house that was miserably hot uh, for over a week without any power in Florida. And Anyways, I don't want that experience again. I heed the warnings. I will Be probably smart getting out tomorrow morning you will probably be doing joe and amber with somebody else tomorrow so thus this is our last our last hurrah here all right we're gonna make it a good one then we're gonna make make it a good one one. let's see if we can avoid sports at all costs tonight so far i think we're off and running doing i have a lot of political stuff i've been wanting to get into for a while i have takes both sides of the aisle i have thoughts on foreign policy all of it i'm ready to unload all of it tonight let's do it What's Absolutely. That? UFOs? UFOs, not controversial enough. Yeah, that's okay. not controversial. I want more controversial topics on this show. UFOs are like the least controversial thing. Like, we found right. out they exist, and everyone's kind of like, heh, okay. Which Everybody's is cool with shocking. It. Everyone's cool with it. Apparently, not controversial. Now. Yeah, that, so, anyways, we will talk politics. We will talk religion. But first, we, let's talk. We will not. We Kyler actually will Murray. not. I want to make that clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Case we our will not. Yeah, that's, that's uh, a bad idea. If that. <laughs> yes, because we don't want to get fired. Because we also both, even though this is the end of Joe and Amber for actual Joe and Amber, we do have other shows coming up. Joe Fortenbaugh is, is leaving me for the radio husband that he has always wanted, the radio spouse he has always wanted. And that, of course, <laughs> is leaving Amber Wilson for Chris Carlin, which everyone, everyone saw coming. And I then, get to be, hey, for the first time I get to be the skinny one in the relationship (laughs) and then Ian Fitzsimmons will be joining me in the same time slot but you'll get an extra hour of us from 7 to 10 p.m. Joe and Carlin are 12 to 3 right 12 to 3 12 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday that will roll out next week the Arizona Cardinals, they have a lot to roll out and a lot to figure out because apparently Kyler Murray may not be starting this season. And what does this mean? Are they tanking? We will get into teams in the NFL that may or may not be taking. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh. Find him at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. You can also always join the conversation. Triple eight, say ESPN. We'll get to these NFL teams that could be looking to be tanking right after this. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Here we are, Joe Fortenbaugh and Amber Wilson. I'm not sure where Kyler Murray is because it doesn't seem like, Joe, he's going to be starting the season for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, they haven't exactly told us that that's the case. They haven't, in fact, named a starter there for week one. But you would have assumed that the starter was, you know, the quarterback that they paid all that money to that we thought was the starter moving forward in Arizona. Instead, he's on the pup list coming off of that ACL injury that ended his season early in 2022. And now the Cardinals are saying he may not be back. And if he's not back tomorrow when they have to put together the act of 53 then he has to sit out the first four weeks of the season if he's still on that pup list joe the first four weeks of the season for this team are a slaughter fest and not an easy go at it you would think that you'd want your best quarterback in the building starting against those teams unless he's not healthy or unless they're not really that committed to winning yeah shockingly the Arizona Cardinals are making all the right moves right now. They really are. They have realized their place in the pecking order, which is, in the eyes of Vegas, projected to be the worst team in the NFL, even if they're not the worst, and they try hard this season, they will still produce a very bad result. So, new head coach in Jonathan Gannon, new general manager in Monty Ossenfort. What you're going to do is figure out how to get this thing ready and start the full-on rebuild. Kyler Murray... He's not going to be a part of your future. You don't want him to be a part of your future. He's not a good locker room guy. Give him the year off. Let him get healthy. Dump the contract in the offseason and use one of your two first-round picks to draft one of these quarterbacks that's coming out, whether it's USC's Caleb Williams, North Carolina's Drake May, or somebody else. This is an Arizona team that currently has the fourth most available salary cap space. And then on top of that, they have six picks in the top 100. Two first, one second, three in the third round. That is how you start a rebuild. So instead of screwing around and trying to win six or seven games and jeopardizing the draft position, just start looking towards the future. See what you've got now that you can develop. See what you've got now that won't be a part of your future and use this year to get that roster into shape. Do you remember 2019, though, with Kyler Murray? I mean, we talk about Kyler Murray like he has no talent and no ability here whatsoever. And yes, there's been a lot of drama when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals. But also, I think that we all think that that was a 
quite incompetent coaching staff that was there in Arizona. So this is a new day and a new era. And I understand that when a new staff comes in, often they want their own guys and they kind of want to rip everything down and start over. And you're saying that's the right move. The problem is that they did commit a lot of money to Kyler Murray. This isn't the Trey Lance thing that just happened in San Francisco, right? Where they hadn't yet paid Trey Lance. They have, in fact, paid Kyler Murray. This organization had decided at one point that he was their quarterback of the future. And they had decided that because they had seen the promise at points during his career. Yes, it's been tumultuous, but we're talking about a player who won the Offensive Rookie of the Year back in 2019, his rookie season, right? Putting up almost 4,000 yards that season, the next season, even the season after that 3,800 yards roundabout. Yes, we know what happened last season, then he gets injured. It's not like his stats. When you pull the stats for Kyler, like they're not that terrible. We talk about him. Like, he's atrocious, and he's shown a lot of talent at times throughout his career with a very bad or seemingly bad coaching staff around him. So from that perspective, I don't know if I do love this move, because why are we so sure that any of these guys playing right now in college are better than Kyler? And we've seen the Cardinals do this before. Like, they pivoted immediately with Josh Rosen, go to Kyle and Murray. Now they're going to pivot again immediately and try to hit the next time. And what's saying they're going to? Issue is not the talent. Issue is the immaturity and the inability to lead. If you're going to dump a ton of money into the quarterback position, that quarterback can't just produce on the field. He's also got to be a leader. He's got to be a leader of men. He's got to be a leader in the locker room. He's got to set the stage for the culture. He's got to be the guy that moves the franchise forward. Kansas City has that in Patrick Mahomes. It is very clear of his leadership abilities. And when you work your way around the NFL, you find a lot of those guys in places like Philadelphia, in places like insert teams with quarterbacks like Joe Burrow here. Murray's not that guy. Anyone who's been around him in the organization says that. Now, there's time that he can change. Sure, he can develop. But ultimately, if you want to move on, move on. Cut your losses. Realize he's not your guy. That while he has the talent, he doesn't have the leadership ability. This season, he's basically, in terms of average annual value of contract, it's number five in the NFL. The only guys whose deals average more money per year this season are Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, and Russell Wilson. But you're eventually going to have Deshaun Watson slide up ahead of him. Mahomes will get ahead of him soon. Josh Allen will get ahead of him soon. You're going to give a deal out to Joe Burrow soon. And in a year, when someone's thinking about taking a chance on Kyler Murray because he is talented, like you said, that contract won't look all that bad. It looked bad when he signed it, but by the time they move him, it'll be two years later and you start thinking to yourself, all right, now given the landscape of quarterback salaries, it's not really that expensive. $25 $25 million used to be an insane amount for a quarterback. Now $25 million a year ranks right around 18th in the NFL in terms of average annual value, Jimmy Garoppolo. So in a couple years, the Murray deal won't be that expensive. It won't take up that much cap space. I don't think it'll be that hard to move him in the offseason. And maybe you're right that it won't be. And I think you're right because also of that talent that he has shown at times in his NFL career. When the problem's not the talent, I get nervous, right? Like, I have no idea if Trey Lance is a good quarterback. I've seen zero of it in the NFL. I don't even know if he can complete passes well or run an offense. With Kyler Murray, I know that there's the level of talent there when it comes to those components of the game, the physical components of the game. I understand what you're saying about the locker room stuff. We've been through this, though, when we did 
did the whole homework clause in the contract. I also wonder if that's a fixable problem because it feels like to me that is f- the far more fixable problem than somebody who doesn't actually possess the, p- the talent to keep up with the speed of the game in the NFL, right? Where if you're Kyle Murray and your problem is studying or your problem is commitment, could a new staff get you to do those things? Could a new staff get you to understand the work ethic that it takes here and encourage you to do it and motivate you to do it because things were so poorly run there in Arizona before? I just don't have any reason to believe that Caleb Williams is going to be better to any degree, right? Like, I don't know if he's going to be as physically talented. I don't know if he's going to be able to run an offense as well or even be a better locker room guy in the NFL. Like, I have no idea, right? Because that dude's never played in the NFL. And so... For me, taking another gamble on these guys from college when you do have a guy in hand that you're going to be losing a lot of money on if you're trying to move, right, that you've been paying a lot of money to, and he's right there for the taking, to not work with it at all and to sort of try to punt here on the whole thing when you get the new staff in. I'm just surprised that I guess that the decision has come down this quickly before we've even seen Kyler Well, we don't, we don't know that that decision's been made. We, that's that's just I think that's what Arizona should do. I think they should move on from him. I don't think they should risk playing him. That's just my thought. They yeah. could very well be giving him a couple months off, testing him out, and if it goes well, he ends up being their guy. The flip side of this is that we don't want him up against that competition the first four weeks because he's not fully healthy and we need sure. to give him time to ease back into it. I mean, there is an argument to be made. Oh, they're doing this because they're so committed to the fact that he needs to be healthy and that he is, in fact, their quarterback of the future. It just looks a little fishy right now. Another situation that looks a little fishy is the one with the Los Angeles Rams because you had Matthew Stafford's wife come out and she said uh, that he is having an issue relating to the young people in the locker room because they're very, very young that he can't really connect with them. She, Kelly Stafford said that on her own podcast the morning after with Kelly Stafford. What do you make of that? He is a 35-year-old quarterback. To me, there's nothing shocking about this. Of course, a 35-year-old has a harder time relating to 22-year-olds than when he came into the league at 23. Yeah, he most certainly could have been in a situation where he's just telling his wife, she wants to know how his day at work is. That's oh, different. A lot of rookies, a lot of guys that I don't have a whole lot in common with. And then she goes ahead and says something on her podcast. And suddenly we look at this and we go, wow, there could be trouble in paradise. Stafford's a professional. He's been around a long time. He won a Super Bowl. He's going to command the respect of the locker room. He's the type of guy that's going to figure it out. But it does speak to the situation the Rams are in with how many young players they have on that roster. They don't have any money to spend. This is what their plan was when they won the Super Bowl. They went out and spent, and they jeopardized future seasons to make that run, and it worked. I think if you're any fan base in the world, you would absolutely take the result the Rams, the Rams have had. But the check has come due, and now they're in a situation where Bobby Wagner's gone, Leonard Floyd is gone, Jalen Ramsey's gone. They weren't able to spend anything to upgrade the defense. They didn't have a lot of high draft picks. It is a team that's in purgatory right now. So ultimately, Stafford's going to have to figure out how to get things done with these kids. But I think what's going to happen most likely is they are going to stumble out of the blocks. They're going to get beat by Seattle in week one. The defense isn't going to be very good. And then they're going to start looking towards punting on the season, putting Stafford on the shelf, and figuring out their transitional plan because it's time to get the next era of Rams football up and running. And the best year to do that is next season. Not this season, next season. Aaron Donald is going to be trying to force his way out and demand a trade at that point because Aaron Donald and Ernest Jones are the only starting defenders from that Super Bowl that remain on this entire roster. That's really the problem here. The problem isn't Matthew Stafford being 35 and trying to relate to 
a young team. The problem is that this team ain't at all the same team. And defensively, you don't recognize any of these names on this defense whatsoever. So it is certainly a new era. You're right. One that we would all sign up for, but a new era there in Los Angeles. And I think it's going to get real, real ugly. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Joe and Amber, they are on your radio tonight. One last go round here with Joe Fortenbaugh and Amber Wilson hanging out with you. You can find him at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So one of our favorite segments the last eight months that we've been doing this show together is sound on, sound off. Let's get to it. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. What's your very favorite segment, Joe? From Joe and Amber, you know? Um, I don't have a specific benchmark segment that's my favorite. I, I like when we get into just the heavier conversations. Those are always the most fun because we kind of have a, a very rough idea of where we're going but from there it'll quickly spiral and that's what makes it interesting is figuring out what it is you're going to say next and how to add on to that conversation now in that vein i would also say big fan of aaron Rodgers' watch because Mm -hmm. the timing of dropping that on you now pay attention joe and amber aaron Rodgers' watch i see we're all auditioning for our netflix specials very nicely done there (laughs) but yes that that might be my favorite thing uh by the way we are keeping all of that uh, in this time slot. So you lose uh, because you're, Understood. you know, all fancy. You're moving up to day parts. So you lose. Uh, James and I were keeping everything except for jury duty. That feels like a Joe and Amber special. It's going to go into the archives. Only you and I can pull that off with the law degrees. I'm not sure it hits the same with Ian Fitzsimmons. Uh, mm, no, Maybe. it won't. It won't. Maybe. He Fitz, just doesn't have Fitz the law good. degree angle. You He'll know, figure. I mean, you hardly <laughs> yeah. have the law degree either because, I mean, I basically fluked your way to a law degree, but you have one to show for it. So there's that. (laughs) There is one indeed. James Steele, he is our producer. He is remaining my producer moving forward. Joe is leaving us like a little birdie. Hello, James. You're stuck with me forever. (sighs) Yeah. All right. Let's get the sound on, sound off. (laughs) There. All right. Uh, There really wasn't much of a question about who was going to be the starting quarterback in the 49ers once Brock Purdy was healthy. That's even more the case now that Trey Lance is a cowboy. But is that a good thing for Purdy? Martin Metcalf isn't so sure. The Brock Purdy situation has made everything exaggerated a little bit. Because if he doesn't show up and be literally the greatest last pick in NFL draft history, it's a different conversation. But I also think no matter what the 49ers do, this might be worse than Jamarcus Russell in terms of what they gave up to move up to get Trey Lance, who I believe has the fewest starts of any player picked top five in NFL history in the modern era. All right, Joe. So Myron says that the pressure's amped up on uh, Brock Purdy now that Trey Lance is out of the picture. Do you agree? Without question. And on Kyle Shanahan, too. It's not just Purdy. It's on everybody. It's, 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 the Niners didn't do themselves any favors coming into the start of this season. They've got themselves a little bit of drama. They've put a little bit of a target on their back. The head coach, who's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer, you gave up three first-round picks and a third-round pick for this guy who played a handful of snaps for you, and then you moved him for a fourth to Dallas. Whether he pans out or not is irrelevant because he didn't pan out for you. You guys didn't coach him up. And now we're looking at Brock Purdy and we're asking ourselves, is this going to be the future? And Sam Darnold behind him maybe is capable, but I don't know if the Niners have their guy for the next five plus years. So yes, 
absolutely there is going to be pressure on Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan because this is supposed to be the Super Bowl window. And oh, by the way, Nick Bosa still not under his new contract yet, has yet to report to the team. Yeah, that's pressure, the Nick Bosa situation from the 49ers' perspective because, of course, they need Bosa, who to me is probably the best defensive player in the game. Brock Purdy is under pressure, but he was under pressure either way. This doesn't mean more pressure to me now that Trey Lance is no longer with the San Francisco 49ers because really, why is that more pressure for Brock Purdy? They had already chosen him. Trey Lance was supposed to be the third-string quarterback. They already even had their next quarterback in waiting, Sam Darnold, if Brock Purdy doesn't perform. So I don't think the pressure is amplified on Brock Purdy at all because of the departure of Trey Lance. If anything, you could probably make an argument, hey, he like fully beat out that guy. Like That guy now isn't at all an issue, isn't at all any sort of competition, and they're con- clearly not concerned about the draft picks that they traded away in order to trade up to that guy because you have made all of that go away with how well you played in those seven starts that we saw you in. If you're Brock Purdy from that perspective, slightly less pressure, but Sam Darnold's still sitting there, and a lot of people think he's fully capable of being the guy to run Kyle Shanahan's offense. So I think the pressure on Brock Purdy is about the same as it was before Friday when Trey Lance got traded away. All right. Speaking of pressure, the AFC East is said to be one of the most competitive and interesting divisions this season. The Jets brought in Rodgers and made a bunch of changes on offense. The Patriots brought in Bill O'Brien to try to get the most out of Mac Jones. And last season, both the Bills and Dolphins made the playoffs. So the pressure will be on those two teams to get back there. But which quarterback will be under the most pressure? We love talking about quarterbacks and pressure. Josh Allen or uh, Tua? Here's former NFL linebacker Lorenzo Alexander on ESPN Radio. I'm going to have to go with Tua. Um, and, I, and I think they're both dealing with some similar pressures, right? You know, every, obviously expectations. That's one of the big things. You have all this talent around you. Both teams are really primed and geared up on paper to make a real run at trying to knock the Kansas City Chiefs off and, and become the next Super Bowl champions. Um, I think Josh Allen, when you think about, you know, um, the the history of Buffalo and what he's trying to achieve, I think that's a lot of pressure on him um, in, in, in regard to, to uh, trying to win a championship. But I would have to say Tua has more to prove because of his external pressure or additional pressure is the injury. And can he play and stay healthy? Uh, all right, Amber, Lorenzo Alexander says there's more pressure on Tua. What do you think? More pressure on Tua or Josh Allen this season? This, when it comes to the AFC East, is like my favorite first takey topic where you could argue every single quarterback in the AFC East has the most pressure, including Mac Jones, including Aaron Rodgers. But if you're whittling me down to Tua and Josh Allen, I'm going with Tua because he doesn't have the job security. And to me, job security amps up pressure. So yes, the expectations are higher for Josh Allen overall. A lot of people think he's the second best or third best quarterback in the league. Nobody's having that conversation about Tua just yet. But Josh Allen, because he's already a top three or top five quarterback in the league, doesn't actually have any danger of losing his job. Tua Tungvaloa, if he can't stay healthy and stay on that field, and also doesn't look like the guy that we saw before the head injuries last season, if he looks more like the guy we saw the couple of years before that uh, when he was under Brian Flores, then all of a sudden you're talking about Tua maybe not being a starter in the National Football League or maybe not even playing in the National Football League if, in fact, he can't be a durable quarterback 
back and stay out there for a season. So there's an immense amount of pressure on to it. And it's not just durability. It's also when it comes to actually winning and accomplishing things. Because Tua hasn't gotten an opportunity to really do any of that, even though he was able to prove to us for, through the first half of the season last season that he can be a very, very good quarterback when he is healthy. There's more pressure on Tua. It's got more to Two bring. different types of pressure. Tua's pressure is simply, can you stay healthy and be a quarterback in the NFL? Then we'll have the conversation about whether or not you can be a great quarterback. But the only question around him now is whether or not he can stay healthy. Every single Miami Dolphins conversation starts off with, well, the ceiling could be high if Tua can stay healthy. That's his pressure. Allen's pressure is different. Allen's pressure is to get by Mahomes, Burrow, and win the AFC. I think if you want to figure out how to answer this, like Amber said, you can make a case either way. I'd say it comes down to Josh Allen having more pressure because if Tua fails, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of people lining up to point fingers and say they were right, they were right, oh, Miami swung and missed. Like, no, the guy gets hurt. He was questionable early in his career. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. If Allen, who was about to be anointed as the next great quarterback in the NFL, on top of the fact that he's starting to appear in every single commercial this offseason, if he flames out and can't get it done, the pressure is going to be a lot greater for him, in my opinion. All right. Also, Josh Allen, you could make an argument. I mean, the superstar, a lot of people right now very interested in Josh Allen's dating life. You know, he's, he's really taken off. A oh, lot yeah. of pressure. You know, oh, yeah. To a very private guy. Doesn't have any of that pressure. All right. Overrated. <laughs> uh, okay. I've waited long enough to do this one. Have you seen Kirk Cousins' handlebar mustache? It's pretty great. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, Cousin says that one person doesn't like it very much. Julie doesn't like it. I told her I just kind of looked like I was on the Oregon Trail. But, you know, she's good. She, she understands. She understands mustache week needs to happen. All right, Joe. <laughs> so, obviously, this question is for you. Kirk Cousin's wife hates his mustache. How does your wife feel about your mustache? She's cool with it. She's cool with it for two reasons. I think, one, she understands it's part of the bit we do on Daily Wager, which is it's tied to my survivor pick. So I grow it in the summer, and then I shave it as soon as my survivor pick loses. And if it's anything like last year, it's going to be gone in the opening week. Thank you very much, San Francisco 49ers and Trey Lance against the Chicago Bears. Also, I really can't grow any other facial hair. I can't do a beard. It would be patchy. I, I don't think I'm a goatee guy or anything like that. So... The entire 10 years she's known me, she's seen a mustache on now two occasions. I think she gets a kick out of it because she saw old pictures from like the 70s of my dad who had this jet black mustache as well. So I think it's more she laughs at me, not with me about it. So she gets a kick out of it. It's probably a very different conversation for James Steele's wife. Your wife probably finds like your beard and mustache very sexy, right? Because it's overall part of your look because it's like thick and full and long. I don't think she likes it that much. No, very Sam Crow. Really? It's very Sam Crow. She, I, I would, I would, I would say that she would probably prefer if I trimmed it down a little bit. A little bit, but not no. Not oh no, no she doesn't want to see right? what's under I, this. I, I can't imagine you with no facial hair. What's happening here with Kirk and with Joe is that their wives didn't actually sign up for this. Like James Steele's <laughs> wife signed up for this. These wives didn't actually sign up for this. So I can understand them maybe not being the biggest fans of the look. However, it's just facial hair. From a female perspective, I'm not that opinionated if it's temporary. Like something like Joe Fortenbaugh is doing or like Kirk Cousins is doing and it's temporary if my husband did that. 
I wouldn't have a big problem with it. It's facial hair. You can grow it. You can shave it. It's not, you know. Now, if you shaved off your beard, James, it would take you a really long time to get it back to the length it is. So it would be more of a thing for you than it is for them. Yeah, I don't think Lisa signed up for this. She uh, really? she started dating me like right before I went in the Air Force. So I was pretty so clean. Oh, yeah, so you were all clean Oh, military man. Yeah, I was a military yeah. man. Yeah. You don't look like that at all then anymore. I, right, no. You couldn't be further. You look like a draft dodger, into a to be honest. the bad boy. She probably takes it. He looks like a draft dodger. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, you're not a bad boy, but yeah, maybe, maybe she thinks you're. Uh, <laughs> coming up next here. He roots for on, NWO. On ESPN Radio. Uh, what are we doing next? We're going we're gonna to talk about rookie quarterbacks and yeah. starting in the National Football League. What have we learned from the preseason that's next? ESPN Radio is also on the app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Fast throws a deep ball down the field. Stars caught! One hand juggle job. It's caught Palmer. by Palmer. Trey Palmer for the second week in a row. Obviously, you want to take advantage of any reps you can get, especially you know, in the preseason. Young play action. Rolls to his right. Has plenty of time. Now he'll take off and run and scampers across the 30. Out of bounds at the 31. Bryce Young's size obviously raises questions about pressure, but even if he was six foot three or six foot four, I would still be worried watching him deal with the level of pressure he has faced thus far. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson become the 27th, 28th, and 29th week one rookie starters since 2008. Joe, we had 14 straight years of at least one rookie quarterback starting in week one of the regular season. None started week one of 2022. So the streak, the consecutive streak was broken this past season. This year... We will now have three rooks starting week one of 2023. So teams willing to take chances on rookies. Finally, once again, at that position. Three fascinatingly different stories where if you're Bryce Young, it was an awful preseason for the Panthers. I mean, that that couldn't have gone much worse from an offensive perspective. The O-line stunk. The weapons aren't there. They were barely able to move the ball down the field. It did not look good. If you're Houston, there were some moments, but you also open up against the Ravens as 10-point dogs. And with that offensive line that's protecting C.J. Stroud, and that's a bottom five unit, with his lack of weapons and with a below-average defense, all the way around, they're going to be in a lot of trouble in week one. And then there's Anthony Richardson, your boy from Florida. I don't know what to expect there. My guess would be as they host Jacksonville in week one, Richardson's going to have some amazing plays that just make you look at the TV screen and think, yep, I can see why the Colts took a shot on him number four overall, but then there are going to be some real head scratchers. And I think ultimately Jacksonville is going to prevail and you can lay the four points there as well. That's probably going to be a very square play, but I don't trust Richardson as a thrower just yet. Doug Peterson is a very good head coach. I think he's going to find a way to make life very difficult for the young rookie in week one. Okay, so let's go back through these one by one. Let's start with Bryce Young, the number one overall pick, because you're right. I mean, that preseason was atrocious for the Panthers, and I think worse than any of us expected, right? Because, I mean, it was a team that you're like, hey, maybe they could even win that division because maybe they'll be better than we think that they're going to be if Bryce Young is, is who people expect him to be with taking a quarterback that high in the draft. However, the real concerns about Bryce Young, as he spent a lot of his time under pressure and a lot of his time getting absolutely demolished by defenses, was the poise that he showed. And you could argue, Joe, that the biggest concern with Bryce Young wasn't 
the accuracy. It wasn't the anticipation. It wasn't any of the mechanics. It wasn't the understanding of the offense or defense. The biggest concern about him was size. It was the one thing that we heard over and over and over again, that he's going to get overwhelmed in the pocket by the pressure and that he's too darn small to absorb hits. And the preseason certainly showed us those things. Maybe not a huge problem for Bryce Young. So from that perspective, if I'm a Panthers fan, I actually feel very good about this because in a weird way, as bad as the preseason was, and nobody wants to see that from their O-line in the preseason, also it allowed the biggest questions about Bryce Young to be answered immediately. The thing that's unfortunate for the Panthers is that if they don't, they're, they're tailor-made tailor-made to threaten for a playoff spot this year. It's very rare that you walk into a season where your di- entire division is, is this far down. Like you, It's so rare to find a division where all four teams are just meh or worse. And you hate the idea of missing that window because you're in a rebuild. But that's where Carolina finds themselves. I mean, Vegas has their win total sitting at like seven and a half. That's crazy for a rookie quarterback on a team like that to try to get to eight wins. But to your point, can he stay healthy? Are they going to be able to keep him upright for 14-plus games this season? If he misses a couple due to an injury, so be it. It happens. But you don't want a rookie year where a guy like Bryce Young's out there for six, seven games, and then he ends up getting shut down because you're costing yourself all that time in terms of development. It's not just the injury. It's not just the damaged goods aspect of it. You're losing time for development, and you want to get him up to speed. You want to learn the strengths. You want to build the offense around him as quickly as possible so you can have an aggressive offseason next year to build up that offense around him. Quietly, though, if Carolina's got anything, it should be a good defense this year. There's a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Right, and that's, I think, what we were relying on when we were talking about how Carolina might have a chance in that division, that and how bad everybody else is also in that division. It's going to be really weird when Baker Mayfield wins a division and heads <laughs> to the postseason. Easy. Let's talk about the number two overall pick in CJ Stroud. D'Amico Ryans has named CJ Stroud, the starting quarterback for week one. He did beat out Davis Mills. There were some questions over that at one point. What did you make of CJ Stroud who, you know, all these guys are on such terrible teams but 11 of 18 89 yards a touchdown an interception in eight series over three games I mean on one hand I think to myself why not let Davis Mills go out there and get beat up by Baltimore and then go ahead and start um start Stroud the following week when you host Indianapolis let him start his first game at home he'll have the crowd on his side it's an easier landing spot that looks pretty transparent to just come right out throw Davis Mills to the Wolves in Baltimore in week one and then make the switch And then there's also the argument to be said about learning on the job. Trial by fire. Let's get out there. Let's see how you do. And if it goes south, okay, you get an easier game next week at home against the Colts. It doesn't surprise me that he won the job. We saw a lot of Davis Mills last year. That's a player from the old regime. So it's not like the new guys are going to be all that invested in him, especially when they draft someone like Stroud. There's opportunity there if he plays like the C.J. Stroud from the Georgia playoff game last winter. Because that's the game that got everyone on the C.J. Stroud train. He wasn't looked at by a lot of teams in very high regard until they saw what he did against that Georgia defense. And then people thought, all right, if he's capable of doing this in this spot, he's capable of being a franchise quarterback. That game, that game turned the tides for him. And if he can play like that moving forward, man, he could have a big future. 
I just don't really know what the point is of rolling Davis Mills out there at this point because they know what they have in Davis Mills. Like, he did have that opportunity, by the way, to prove that he could have been the guy all last season for the Texans, and they felt like, hey, we still need to go to the top of the draft and take a quarterback. So they felt like they saw the ceiling for Davis Mills. I don't know what would be the point of going down that path again. This isn't going to be a Houston Texans team that needs to win right now. What this team needs to do is keep building towards a goal, and C.J. Stroud, obviously, the most integral part of that. So go ahead, get them out there, and get the learning continuing. Coming up next, we have some questions after week zero of the college football season. We'll get into it. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. 